Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, best-selling author Vody Balkum is running for a senior leadership position in the Southern Baptist Convention, but it's not clear that he's even a Southern Baptist. Calvin University, one of the nation's premier evangelical institutions of higher education, is struggling with LGBTQ issues. It's discovering that compromise often invites more trouble than just taking a firm stand. And we take a deep dive into Sid Roth's It's Supernatural television ministry. We begin today with the resignation of Hillsong's Brian Houston. Less than a week after Hillsong's board released a statement revealing that its co-founder, Brian Houston, had sent inappropriate text messages to a staff member and spent time in a woman's hotel room, the board of the Global Megachurch has announced that the longtime global senior pastor has resigned. In a statement posted on its website on Wednesday, March 23rd, the board said it had accepted Houston's resignation. Houston is 68 years old, a New Zealand native, and he founded Hillsong with his wife, Bobby, in the suburbs of Sydney, Australia, in 1983. The Pentecostal powerhouse now boasts 30 locations around the world, including several here in the United States, with an average global attendance of 150,000 each week. And millions more know about Hillsong because of its music. Yeah, Hillsong's music program has produced some of the most popular worship songs used in evangelical churches today, including Oceans, What a Beautiful Name, and Shout to the Lord. And that reminds me, Natasha, that I should mention that if your church sings a Hillsong song on Sunday morning, you are actually funding, financing some of Hillsong's activities, which is... uh, Uh, an issue that has become increasingly problematic for a lot of evangelical churches in the midst of all of the scandal there. Now, complaints against Houston surfaced late last week in the Australian press and in a March 18th statement from the Hillsong Board. The March 18th statement, which Ministry Watch reported on at the time, acknowledged the incidents and blamed them on prescription anti-anxiety drugs on which Brian Houston had become dependent. This resignation will likely not end Hillsong's or Houston's problems. No, that's right. Houston was charged in August of 2021 with concealing a serious indictable offense of another person. Police say that his late father, Frank Houston, who was also a preacher, indecently assaulted a young male in 1970. Court documents allege that Houston knew of his father's abuse as early as 1999 and, in the words of the indictment, without reasonable excuse, failed to disclose that information to police. Houston has denied covering up the abuse. His trial is set to take place later this year. Our next story involves one of the flagship Christian colleges in the nation. Yeah, for years, Calvin University, a leading evangelical school in Grand Rapids, Michigan, has tried to walk a fine line of being welcoming to students who identify as LGBTQ while still enforcing traditional Christian Reformed Church views on sexuality. 
The school sponsors a support group for gay students. It gave an alumni award to an LGBTQ graduate and last year saw a gay undergrad elected as the student body president. Yeah, but last fall, a Calvin professor officiated at a wedding for an LGBTQ staff member at a campus-based research center. That put both employees in clear violation of school policy. School leaders tried to resolve the matter quietly. The compromise that they came up with was that the Center for Social Research, which had been part of the school since the 1970s, was allowed to spin off and the pastor was allowed to keep her job. Now, things changed this last week when Chimes, the Calvin student newspaper, broke news about the reason for the split. Yeah, and now pro-LGBTQ students and alumni are accusing the school of homophobia, and conservatives say the decision to split off the Center for Social Research was effectively caving in to LGBTQ ideologues and dishonored donors who financed the center's development as well as the heritage of the college itself. In the meantime, Calvin says it still maintains its historic position on marriage and sexuality. Yeah, Provost Noah Tolley confirmed that all staff and faculty, including those at the center, are required to follow the school's employment policies, which bar sex outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. He also said hiring managers and supervisors are required to enforce that policy. Our next story is about two Baptist preachers known for their claims that the nation's largest Protestant denomination is becoming too liberal, will be nominated for top roles in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, in a statement that blasted SBC leaders for abandoning biblical truth and embracing what it called radical feminism and race Marxism, a group of Baptist pastors and professors announced plans to nominate Tom Ascall, the president of a group called Founders Ministries and pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida, for SBC president. They also plan to nominate best-selling author Vody Bauckham, a former pastor and dean at African Christian University in Zambia, to lead the SBC's Pastors Conference. The statement posted on the conservative website Capstone Report said Askell and Balkum will help turn the SBC away from wokeness and back to the Bible and criticize Baptist leaders who worry that the world is watching how Baptists behave. Yeah, a number of signatures on the statement belong to leaders of the Conservative Baptist Network who have been critical of current SBC leadership. Among the Conservative Baptist Network leaders signing the statement are Lee Brand, who is the current first vice president of the SBC and a seminary professor, Mark Kopenger, a retired SBC theology professor, Brad Jerkovich, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church in Bossier City, Louisiana, Mike Stone, a Georgia pastor uh, who also ran for SBC president during this last election, and Ronnie Rogers, who's the pastor of Trinity Baptist Church in Norman, Oklahoma. Carol Swain, who is a retired college professor and a conservative commentator, along with Texas pastor Tom Buck, who is a conservative social media uh, celebrity, also signed the statement. Is this campaign likely to go anywhere? 
Well, it could. Uh, Mike Stone, as I said, uh, ran for SBC president. He narrowly lost uh, that job in 2021 to the current SBC president, Ed Litton. Uh, He posted a note on social media endorsing Ascall. But since losing the election, Stone has blamed Russell Moore, the former head of SBC's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, for his loss, and he has sued Moore for libel, though that lawsuit was later withdrawn. But there is one glitch in their plan, and that is that Balcom may not be eligible to run for president of the Pastors Conference. He is technically not currently a member of an SBC church, though he is a former pastor of an SBC congregation and was sent as a missionary by that church uh, to Africa. Balcom is currently a member of a church in Zambia. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, we'll take a closer look at Sid Ross, its supernatural television ministry. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll be back after this short break. Hello everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Up next, the story we promised before the break, the story of Sid Roth's It's Supernatural Network. Yeah, the name, formal name of the ministry that hosts It's Supernatural is called Messianic Vision. It's a ministry that was founded in 1977 by Sid Roths, uh, and it says that it's dedicated to reaching Jewish people with the gospel. Now, what got my attention about this ministry is that even though it's 45 years old and its founder and president, Sid Roth, is 81 years old, it has seen a pretty significant growth spurt in recent years. Now, by growth spurt, what do you mean? Well, from 2018 to 2020, the ministry's net revenue increased by more than $10 million, from $18 million to $29 million. That's pretty dramatic. Any reasons why? Well, most of the growth is attributable to growth in its digital network. That, according to Chief Operating Officer Joel Norrie, who spoke to Ministry Watch about this, this is one of the few ministries that has made the move from 70s, 80s, and 90s era of broadcast ministry to the current era of digital ministry. So what's the background of this ministry? Well, Sid Roth, whose given name is Sidney Rothbaum, was raised in a Jewish home and says he came to believe in Jesus in 1972. 
He went on to found the ministry to evangelize other Jews, and he launched the television program in 1996. Uh, The ministry claims that it doesn't solicit funds on the air, but it does sell a lot of stuff on the air. About 40 to 50 percent of the revenue from the ministry comes from product sales, including books, CDs, and DVDs of guests that it has on the program. So are you saying that the program is actually just kind of a big infomercial? Well, I guess you could say that was one way of looking at it, which wouldn't be all bad if the guests on the program were theologically sound. However, many of them are not. Can you give me some examples? Well, the guests featured on Roth's programs and websites just cover the theological spectrum. He has had some well-respected pastors and Bible teachers on, such as Frank Turek, uh, the apologist, and pastors Charles Stanley and Rick Warren. However, he also has a large number of prosperity gospel preachers, including Benny Hinn, Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar, and Kenneth Copeland. Uh, The host of the program include Kevin Zadai, who claims to have died and gone to heaven and then come back, so he knows that heaven is for real, and Becky Dvorak, who describes herself as a healing evangelist and prophetess to the nations. That's definitely on the theological fringe. Well, yeah, and that's why we reached out to Dr. Michael Brown, who is a well-known Messianic Jewish apologist, to get his assessment. He says that he has known Roth for almost 40 years and has even worked with Roth on various evangelistic efforts. He says that Roth's faith is sincere and his desire to see God's power demonstrated is real. Uh, Brown said that though he has cautioned Roth about some of his guests and encourages him to vet them more carefully, especially those claiming uh, to have received special revelations from God. So what's the bottom line on Messianic vision? Well, that's a good question, and I've got to say that there are some things that I like about the ministry. It was a founding member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, and it does make its audited financial statements available to the public. However, Ministry Watch gives Messianic Vision a transparency grade of C, which of course is not our highest grade, because it doesn't complete publicly available Form 990s with the Internal Revenue Service. It claims to be a church and is therefore exempt from that requirement to disclose its Form 990. However, because of that lack of transparency, we can't see who is on the board, we can't see the salaries of key executives, and we can't see a lot of other things that we need to see in order to make an informed judgment. That's why Ministry Watch gives Messianic Vision a donor confidence score of 60, uh, encouraging donors to give, but with some caution. A former pastor and tattoo artist who co-founded a Haitian ministry to help poor children has been arrested in Pittsburgh and indicted by a federal grand jury on charges of engaging in sex with a minor in Haiti. Yeah, Corrigan Clay is this former ministry leader's name. He was arrested last week by federal agents after being indicted under seal on one count of engaging in illicit sexual conduct in a foreign place. That, according to the Pittsburgh Post Gazette newspaper. Clay and his wife, Shelley Jean Clay, were the co-founders of The Apparent Project, a nonprofit job creation uh, program in Haiti that created art out of trash. 
They also adopted Haitian children as a couple. Clay is accused of sexually abusing a child from January of 2014 to December of 2017. The Child Exploitation and Obscenity Section of the Justice Department, an organization that we have reported on before, is prosecuting this case. Warren, before we go to another break, an update on a couple of stories. First, the story of Bruxy Covey, the disgraced former pastor of one of Canada's largest churches. He may have sexually abused more than one woman, and the church told its members that on Saturday, March 19th. Yeah, in an email, Maggie John, who is the chairperson of the Meeting House Board, wrote that the church had received two more allegations of sexual misconduct against Cavi, who was forced out of his position as pastor there earlier this month. It did not, however, provide any details as to the nature of the misconduct. She also said that the church has hired a third-party victim advocate to independently and confidentially receive any concerns or allegations of sexual misconduct by Cavi or other members of the church. Cavi grew the meeting house into a megachurch with about 5,000 people attending in 19 campuses in the greater Toronto metropolitan area. He was asked to resign after an independent investigator found that he had a years-long sexual relationship with a member of his church who had come to him seeking counseling. And you have an update on the Boy Scout story that we've been covering for more than two years. Yeah, a committee representing several Catholic entities uh, in the Boy Scouts of America bankruptcy case has reached a settlement with the BSA and is withdrawing its objections to a proposed reorganization plan, which would involve giving billions of dollars to victims. That, according to attorneys who told the judge that they had reached that decision on Friday, March the 18th. The announcement came on the fifth day of a trial to determine whether the Delaware judge will approve the BSA's reorganization plan. Yeah, under the settlement, virtually every Roman Catholic entity nationwide, including parishes, schools, dioceses, and archdioceses uh, that were involved with scouting, would be considered a participating chartered organization in the bankruptcy. And that would release them from liability for all scouting-related child abuse claims against them from 1976 to the present and for all pre-1976 claims subject to coverage by insurance companies that have already reached settlements in the BSA bankruptcy. Uh, They also would be granted 12 months to negotiate financial contributions to that settlement fund for abuse victims in exchange for a full release from liability for all scouting-related abuse claims. Warren, we're going to take another break. When we return our weekly lightning round of ministry news, I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. 
That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, Warren, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What do you have first? Well, the president of the relief organization Bread for the World says that the war in Ukraine could create a food crisis in other parts of the world. Eugene Cho says that Russia and Ukraine are responsible for 29% of global wheat exports, 19% from Russia, 10% from Ukraine. And he said that disrupting these exports will create crises in Central Asia and North Africa and perhaps elsewhere. He also said that when you have this kind of a shortage, prices will go up likely for everyone else, including here in the United States. So what's the answer? Well, Cho recommends that people, of course, pray and give to trusted organizations. And I'd like to remind our listeners that we have a list of organizations that work in Ukraine on the front page of our website. We include our ratings for these organizations, and we encourage you to give to organizations that you know and trust, which, of course, echoes Eugene Cho's advice. And stay away from emotional appeals from organizations that you've never given to before that might just be taking advantage of the moment. And if you've looked at this list before, I'd like to encourage you to check it out again. We've added Operation Blessing to the list, and we've revised the entry for Mission to the World. And there are other changes and enhancements that we think make this article an increasingly powerful resource for donors. A new study from Pew Research suggests that when it comes to church attendance, the new normal may not be the same as the old normal. Yeah, across the country, religious congregations have, of course, reopened in the aftermath of the COVID pandemic, but there has been little or no rise in the number of people attending in-person religious services over the last six months, while the number of those watching online has remained steady. Uh, The survey shows that only 27% of respondents said that they had attended services in person during the past month, and that compares to about 67% of churchgoers who say they typically have attended a service in the past month. Uh, Back in September, when the coronavirus was still surging and hospitals were reaching capacity numbers, the percentage of those attending churches in person had been around 26%, so that's not much of a rise at all. Now, likewise, those streaming services online remain pretty steady, 28% in September of 2021 and 30% today. Yeah, watching online services will likely continue to be higher, according to this study, uh, than it was during the coronavirus outbreak in early 2020. Uh, Scott Thuma, who is a sociologist who recently began a five-year study of how congregations have fared during the pandemic, said that it will likely take several years before we know the full impact of the pandemic on churches. What ministries did Christina Darnell spotlight in her Ministries Making a Difference column this week? Well, one of them was called Peanuts Closet, which is a newly launched closet ministry run by the church at Riverstone in Madera, California. It provides beds, 
clothes, diapers, formula, and other necessities for free to foster families and families in the reunification process. And Mission Aviation Fellowship is partnering with teams in Indonesia to provide discipleship training to believers in a remote Indonesian church that MAF says is struggling with issues such as substance abuse, physical and sexual abuse, and broken marriages and families. Now, you can read more about these programs. I've only just given you the headline, as well as more from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Mission Eurasia, Deaf Bridge, and others by going to the ministrywatch.com website and looking for Ministries Making a Difference right on the front page. Now, Warren, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, just a quick reminder, you know, I mentioned last week, in fact, I've mentioned for several weeks that Christina's Ministries Making a Difference column is made up of information that we mostly get from readers and listeners, sometimes from the ministries themselves. Uh, they send us news tips, press releases, emails, and links, and Christina chases down the details. And that's how we get a lot of the stories for Ministries Making a Difference, as well as our other stories as well. And I'm pleased to report that you guys have been responding. We've actually seen that Ministries Making a difference column grow fairly significantly over the last few weeks. So if you have a story that you'd like for us to cover or a ministry that you think needs a closer look, please email us. Our email is info at ministrywatch.com. That will come directly to my desk and we'll take it from there. And also a reminder that you can help this program by leaving us a rating on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the easier it is for others to find us. It's a quick, easy, and free way that you can support Ministry Watch. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Ben Warwick. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Ann Steich, Yonat Shimron, Randall Chase, Catherine Post, Scott Thuma, Kim Roberts, Bob Smetana, Roxanne Stone, and Christina Darnell. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.